Greetings ladies and managers, and welcome to this latest video for Retreat Hell, taken from the subreddit HFY. The link to the original is down below, and if you enjoy the story, head over there and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, there are many ways to do so, also, strangely enough, listed down below. Don't forget to subscribe, or we'll have a platoon of angry cat-like creatures attacking you in your sleep. Anyways, on to the sci-fi. I would like to give a quick thanks to our Tier 5 channel members and patrons. Fallen Angel Buzz Killington Thank you, again. Now on to the story. Retreat Hell, Chapter 15, Part 1 Give me that old Marine Corps spirit. Give me that old Marine Corps spirit. Cause it's good enough for me. Cause it's good enough for me. It was good for Chesty Puller. It was good for Chesty Puller. These people run to goddamn much. Rin panted as the battalion thundered around the base on their morning death march. And oh look, here we are, running past our barracks again. Getting our hopes up. Just to jash them. He stifled a whine. At least today they're cutting the run short for the helicopter training. When this is all over and done with, I'll never want to run again. <laughs> and the looks on their faces when we went evasive. Edison kissed the fingertips and flared his hand as he backed through the bunk room door. Perfection. Ah, the best part was the old shields here. Kowalski threw a heavy arm around Rin's shoulder, nearly causing him to stagger into the doorframe. He was all stony-faced like, yeah, I've done this before. This is nothing exciting, Kowalski said, putting on the fake deep voice, even as the Huey went sideways. I was trying not to throw up, Red admitted, licking in the air at Kowalski as he trudged back to his rack, sore, tired and trying to pretend that his legs weren't all wobbly from the day's aerial adventures. Yeah. What's the straight-horned one with all of... That's what she said, jokes. Tetya. Tetya. Run corrected. Kimber gave him a whatever wave. Yeah, him. He puked his guts out all over the tarmac three feet after he got out and when we landed. Ha! He did better than old stuffy stuffy face. Threw up in midair, Kowalski chuckled. Projectile vomiting when we went evasive. Though, we were horizontal at the time, so it mostly went straight out the door. Mostly my ass, Kimber said. I was sitting at the down door when he spewed. He puked all over the back of my helmet. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Kowalski grinned. You should probably go clean that off, though. Yeah, no crap. Rin sighed as he popped off his boots, wriggled his toes, and savored the freedom. The human boots fit better than any other pair of boots that he'd ever been issued, and they had mostly broken in by this point, where they were still combat boots and didn't quite match his foot shape. He pulled his shower gear out of his pack, looking forward to a hot soak, only to watch a parade of four marines scramble past, already half undressed and dipsing the showers. He sighed, setting his shower kit at the end of the rack before digging out a pennant notebook. It was probably best to go last anyway. Now that we were more than five whole minutes of hot water, more time to soak. 
More English lessons? Bradford asked, leaning over to look at the notebook as he flipped it open. Yeah, he yipped, still amused that the Guyana word for yes was so close to the informal English word for the same. And what's the word of the day? What is the word for? He frowned. It's a place in a home where you build a fire. Fireplace? She asked. He flicked an annoyed ear at her. Of course, that would be the word that they use. Yes, but no, that is not the meaning I'm looking for. Mantle? He shook his head. No, that's not it either. The place where the fire is, the foundation, the hearth. The hearth? She asked, and he sighed. I should have just led with the word. The words were different, but the meanings were identical. Not everything translated so well, but many words did. Yes, that is it. The hearth. Hearth, she said, emphasizing the vowels. Hey, earth. No, no why. Stop putting whys in everything. Yeah, don't you know what you mean? He yipped in a heavily accented English, blinking an ear at her and then sticking out his tongue. She laughed and then grabbed her pillow and swung it at his head, barely missing as he fell off to the side. Now try it again, you goober. Hearth, he said, drawing the vowel out to say hearth. Close enough, she said, chuckling. He flicked his ears up with a smile and jotted down the phonic spelling of Giani. How did you say your word for it? Siasuch. Siafiayish. No, Siasuch. Sauswitch? No, it's a hard itch and a soft ch. She considered for a moment. It's like a hissing ch, and it's ya. He yipped in a short vowel, not we. Stop flapping your big fat lips. Hey, you got lips too, dumbass. Yeah, but they're not so fat and poofy like yours. He flicked his ears at her. You look like you got stung by a bee. He flicked an ear to the side. Or a dozen. This time, the pillow did catch him in the head and sent him flopping off his rack. <laughs> Who's got big lips now, bitch? She said, puffing her chest out and swaying her head back and forth. I don't know. Was that your lips or your pillow that you hit me with? He said, sticking his tongue out at her, promptly earning himself another bonk. Oof. And just for that, you're going to have to wait until I'm done with the shower, she said. Hopping up and snagging her toiletries back as a gaggle of half-dressed marines chased each other out of the head. Rin chuckled as he tossed her pillow back to the rack and sat back up. That's just more time for me to soak. Hey, have you guys seen my switch controllers? Kimber asked, digging through his pack. Can't find them anywhere. Where'd you last see them? Dua asked, not even looking up from where the boot that he was cleaning. Could have sworn I put them back in these pockets. He said, tapping the pouch in his pack. That's where I keep them, but they're not anywhere. You can borrow mine, Edison said, once again performing surgery on the squad's GoPro. He gestured absently at his pack. They're in the clip-on bag somewhere. Thanks, man, but uh, I want to find mine. Do you think someone might have, like, uh, grabbed them by mistake, bro? Stephen said, pulling on a clean shirt. Or not by mistake, Miller asked. Yeah... Elder said, looking up from his phone. We had that platoon thief a while back, remember? Dude, that's why you need to carve your name into things, Davy said, lying on his rack playing his own switch. 
He lifted his hands to show the name carved into the same kind of controllers Rin had seen Kimby using. That's what I did with mine. I had my name on them, man. It didn't Sharpie. Yeah, but Sharpie can come off, Edison said, still focused on the GoPro. Alcohol or a dry erase marker can do the trick. Kimber grumbled something and started expanding his search area. Hey, Shields, Kowalski said, dropping down next to him. He only had his boxes on and was still damp from the shower. Teach me more Kishman swear words. How do you say Frecknugget? Rin raised an ear and an eyebrow at him. We don't have that one. Well, come on then. What else have you got? I've got a new one for you. Twat means spushy in English English. Rin flicked an ear. Is that how you use your words words when walking down the street street? Kowalski laughed. No, Frickface, it's English spoken by the English, as opposed to real English spoken by Americans. Rin paused, pen in mid-air, and he started to stare ahead of him. What? Kowalski, you dumbass, the English invented the English language, Dubois said. Rin didn't even need to look at him, and he could hear the eye Guys! Guys! Gomer stuck his head out of the supply port. I found some boxes we missed. They're full of freaking duct tape. No crap, Kowalski said, immediately distracted by the prospect of creative acquisition. How much? I don't know how we missed it, Hoss. There's boxes and boxes of the stuff. Different colors, too. Sweet. Just grab all of us a roll. Jabs, too. Kowalski paused and then stood up. What are all the colors there? Don't know yet. I haven't gotten through all the boxes, but there's a few at least. Let me see. Kowalski disappeared into the port. How the hell did we miss all of this? Oh, I see. He got buried behind the frick tent. Dubois looked up. Why do you have a frick tent? Dude, you always need a frick tent. Who the frick are you fricking? Your mother. <laughs> Rin pulled the earmuffs off his head and the firing line was declared cold. His new earmuffs that they had been given had a deeper cups and more room for his ears, but they still didn't fit well. We'll have to talk to somebody about getting them properly designed for us, he thought, as he trudged down range to collect his targets. The marines had scrounged up a few more of the pop-up metal targets for the new range, but they were mostly still shooting at paper targets tacked on with wooden frames. But at the tables behind the firing line, Rin looked over the Kishman targets with a pleased quirk with his ears. Their scores were not anything the marines would consider good by any means, but even the grizzled gunnery sergeant running the range begrudgingly nodded his approval at them being passable. Badly. Not bad at all. For one little training we've managed to fit in around everything else. Lord Anya is even showing a particular knack for the weapons. At least on a fixed range. Rin was pleased to note that his own scores had surpassed Anya's on the dynamic range, much to the night captain's chagrin. Lunch consisted of MREs at the range, and Rin once again got to demonstrate his advanced knowledge of human equipment to the other Keshmen and warn them away from the less favorable MREs. Not that I've actually tried many of them, but our pallets seem to match close enough that I'll take the marines at their word. The lunch break was short, barely enough time to eat the food and gobble it down, before they were hurried off to the next event in the range. 
this one pushing the art devices to the magical limits. Cease fire! Cease fire! Rin panted, overheated and out of breath, as he lowered his staff. The targets downrange were shredded both by gunfire and spellfire, but this wasn't a measure of accuracy. Most impressive, Ayat, Yashai said as Rin stepped back from the firing line. How many armor enhancements were you able to maintain? All twelve of them, Your Grace, Rin said, still trying to catch his breath. But I couldn't keep up with the machine guns. I could barely keep up with one, never mind three. He shook his head, making sure to close his mouth and keep his tongue from lolling, though his ears still flopped a bit. The best I could do was one enhancement every fifth or sixth shot with two, one in a dozen with three. Yishai snorted. No worse than anyone else so far, and you did it while maintaining all armor enhancements. Very fine shield, and a respectable spellfire of your own. He flicked an ear. Any of us might surpass you in single skills, but on a whole, I'd say that you're the best of us, and by no small margin. You honor me, your grace, Rin said, giving him a bow. Your service honors the kingdom, Yishai replied, dipping his head in return. Straightening, Rin couldn't miss Anyo glaring at him, but he pointedly ignored the earl. Sinya had been gone before Rin, but Anyo had gone after him, and all but confirmed Rin's suspicions that the night captain was a sparker. And who's our next contestant? Gunnery Sergeant Valdez called as Ren flopped down next to Bradford, happily guzzling both the bottle of water she handled him. Tietja, that's you, Ninyad called out, glaring at the oblivious artificer. All right, Tietja said, looking up from the spell structs that he'd been studying. He barely even put on his false deep voice. Oh, uh, here we go, Bradford muttered, rolling his eyes. Don't be spiteful, Rin said, flicking in ear with his tail. She swiped the offended appendage and tried to grab it, but he quickly snatched it out of her reach. He's made incredible progress these last two weeks. He hasn't admitted it, but I'm fairly certain that he's no formal education as an artificer, or even at all. She raised an eyebrow at him. So he's bluster, all just for show, deflecting them from his ignorance. He dipped his head with the affirmative A-fleck. And the more I give him to study, the less he remembers to put on an act. Huh, Bradford said, giving Tetya a new appraising look. Line ready, Valdez called out. Shooters, stand by. Fire! Tetya immediately popped up a shield and sent a triple burst of tight, powerful firebursts down range, before the marines could rack their bolts and engage. Brief flashes of light rolled down the line as armor enhancements went up. Still needs to kill that startup flare, but at least he's cut down on the continual glow, and his efficiency is a hundredfold better. He's barely nicking any manner. Tetra hesitated as the rifles opened fire, several rounds zipping down range, unseen. He rolled his ears, shifted his feet, and every single shot became visible bolt, glowing as if it snapped down range. More rifles opened up, then a machine gun, then two, then three. Rin's ears shut up under his earmuffs. Every single round glowed. Then Detcher brought his staff to bear and let off a barrage that made Rin's spellfire look like a pea shooter. Cease fire! Cease fire! While these called the targets disappeared into several plumes of splinters and smoke. Holy crap, Bradford said. It's like an artillery piece. 
Bryn looked at her and then to Tetya, then to Jushai and the other Kishpin. A small part of his mind was pleased to know that he wasn't the only one whose jaw was hanging open. Did I mess up again? Tetya asked, sheepishly scratching at the base of his horn. Yushai shook his head, the first to collect himself. No, no you didn't. He looked at Ren, forcing the field artificer to collect himself. Second artificer, you wouldn't happen to have a metering artifice in your repertoire, would you? He cocked an ear to the side, wondering what the duke was getting at, before it clicked. Yes, your grace, I do. He stood up, retrieving his staff, and he walked over to Chechia with Yushai. The marines and the other nobles matted amongst themselves in the separate groups as Chechia squirmed under the unexpected attention. Second artificer Chechia, you have never been officially meted, Yushai asked, stopping in front of him. Well, uh, no, your grace, Tetya said, scratching the base of his horn. Militia, really, I never cared that I could sling spells. Didn't much care for any of the details. I suspected as much, Yushai said. Dipping his head into a small nod, he flicked a near at Rin, then back to Tetya. Second artificer, Yat, if you would be so kind. Rin nodded and stepped forward. His staff held low in one hand. He didn't really need it to run this particular artifice, but he suspected the extra precision and peak range it allowed would be useful. What is this then? Valdez asked, stepping up to the line. This lad has never been officially meted, Yushai said, waving a hand at Tetra, an exaggerated gesture, probably for the human's benefit. He has no idea how powerful he actually is. We're about to find out. Will this hurt? Tetra asked, his ears nervously twitching back. Course not, Rin said. You don't even really need to do anything. Just passively channel your mana stream. He paused. Downrange, if you please. Right, Tetra said, turning to point a hand downrange. Rin brought up the metering artifice, set so the measurements were visible in the air. At first, there was nothing. Then Tetra closed his eyes and everything spiked. Above and below... Yushai muttered as Rin scrabbled to ship the ranges the meter was displaying. Tetra blew past the maximum levels. Twice. You're a god's damn savant. What? Tetra squeaked, springing around and cutting off the, the manor. Not just a savant, Rin said, his eyes and ears locked in the measurements his artifice was still displaying. Your grace, um, he's one of the most powerful savants to ever live. What? Tetra said again, this time with a little less squeak. That can't be right. Mishai turned to Yvaldese. Gunnery Sergeant, we are done here for the day. We need to complete an examination and assessment of Second Artificer Tetra's abilities. And I need to write to the King. Scrubbing her face, Bradford trudged around the corner of the building on her way back to the barracks after dark. She smacked right into someone. No crap, she said, stumbling back and fumbling out to catch the person before they fell. Bradford kept her balance, but the other person in the crowd yipped. Oof! Looking down, horrified at her clumsy inattentiveness, she found Rin glaring up at her. I was hoping to run into you on my way back. I didn't mean for it to be it literally. She laughed, reaching down to help him up. Sorry, just a little brain dead right now. Oh, he said, standing up, dusting himself off. He flicked an ear at her. I couldn't tell the difference. Oh, frick you, she said giving him a shove that sent him staggering and nearly back to the dirt. Abuse! he cried, struggling not to lie. Help! Help! I am being abused! 
Radford just continued walking, flipping him the bird over her shoulder. That rough a day, he asked, joggling briefly to catch up. Too much going on on your surprise afternoon off. Psh, I wish, she sighed, waving at the barracks ahead of them in this distance. Most of the guys got the rest of the day off thanks to Tetra, but not me. She shook her head. No, I'm a sergeant now with field experience, she said, with air quotes. Since I happen to be free for the afternoon, I got pulled into another planning meeting for the field exercises we're doing at the end of the week. She shook her head. Normally, these things are planned out weeks in advance, but now we're trying to cram as much into a few days. Ugh. She scrubbed her face again, heaving a sigh. What about you? How was your afternoon? Rin sighed, his shoulders sagging. Probably not much better. His ears twitched and he shook his head, letting them flop around. More testing with metering artifices more precise and capable than mine will be required to know his exact power. But between myself, the Duke, and the other nobles, we were able to determine that Tatcha is a savant and one of the most powerful to ever learn. There are two, maybe three other savants alive who are more powerful than him, and those not by much. He scratched his snout, and he has the education of a quillhog farmer. Radford laughed. Sounds like someone's a little pissed off that their spot at the top artificer has been stolen by an uneducated bumpkin. I'm not pissed off, Rin snapped. Not about that, anyway. He sighed, tugging at his horns. It's just, uh... I've taught Tetcher a hundred times more in the last few weeks than anyone has ever taught him. Almost everything he knows he learned on his own. He's not just a savant, he's just one of the most powerful savants to ever live. I have to admit, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Oh really? Radford asked, raising an eyebrow at him. Yes. Rin rolled his ears. Now of course, he doesn't act like it at all. Not in the least, because he has the education of a quillhog farmer. But instead of a bumbling idiot who can barely figure out which end of the pike is the pointy end, he taught himself how to do magic from scratch, using bare handful of spells he was shown as an example, and a few concepts he overheard in a conversation. Damn, Radford said, shaking her head. Imagine what he could do if someone taught him. Rin vigorously nodded his head, eyes wide and ears up. That's exactly what we saw today. And if he had a proper education, he shook his head. The Duke has written to his father and the King and the nobles that are two minds about what to do with Tetra. On the one hand, he should be sent to a university, trained and educated. In time, he might become the most powerful swan to ever live. And on the other hand, he's useful now. Yes, he sighed. The education he should get would take years when he is a ready powerful battlefield savant, and we are in desperate need of every advantage in war. So what are they going to do with him? I don't know. The Duke has a lot of influence to sway that decision, but it'll not be made by him. That is for his father, Lord General Yangri, and the King to decide. He sighed. Until that decision is made, I'll be continuing my tutelage of Tetra and the other artificers will provide selections of well-designed spell structures for him to study and master. Sounds like a bunch of bullcrap to worry about tomorrow, she said, and opened the door to the barracks and waved her in. It's late enough as it is. Indeed, he said, following her through the door. His ears twitched as they approached the bunk room. Bradford 
could hear a muffled shouts of laughter coming from inside. Glancing at Rin, who gave her a smirking flick of the ear, she opened the door. The room fell into immediate silence as it swung open, the bright light of the hallway casting a sharp outline into the dimmed room. Inside, every other member of the second squad was wearing assorted styles and colors of masks made out of duct tape. The diversity and styles included cut-out or model eye holes, teeth, bull-cheek guards, biker's goggles, and medieval's doctor's beak, mohawks, and more, holding a wild medley of cardboard and duct-tape melee weapons. They were clad in little else besides chaotic mix of speedos, diapers, vests, and or a few get-ups that looked suspiciously like pleasure harnesses, all made from rainbow duct-tape. In the dim light and the resounding silence, they all turned to stare at the door. Bradford slowly cast a gaze across them as she looked from one side of the room to the other, the marines all frozen and staring at her in silence, before she quietly backed out and shut the door. We're going somewhere else for a while, she said, still staring at the door as she firmly held shut. Rin's ears, held straight, swiveled to point behind him. That, um, that sounds like an excellent idea. Yeah, she said, releasing the door and pulling herself away. She looked at him. Anyone ever show you how to play an Xbox? Can't say that they have, he said as she pointedly ignored what sounded like Kowalski muted shouting behind the door. Sounds like a great time to learn, she said as a muffled chaos exploded behind the door. She turned and headed towards the common room. Come on, I'll teach you how to play Call of Duty and we can see what other games they've managed to snag. Haven't had time to play anything since they set the system up. Rin fidgeted as Echo Company formed up outside the barracks complex. He was nervous. First Sergeant Catry had found out about the Cadence Project. He was nervous because he expected to be called on to lead the whole company through the new Cadence. He was also nervous because he was the one who told First Sergeant Catry about it the night before. That's why he had run into Barrackford on the way back to the barracks. He gave a silent prayer to all the gods above and all of the gods below that the squad wouldn't find out. Company, turn up! Rin snapped to attention, but the other marines as Catry marched out in front of them. Marines, it has come to my attention that one of our augments has been undertaking a little cadence project, translating a Ganlon marching song into a marine corps cadence. Is this true, second artificer, Ayat? Rin had to struggle to keep his ears from plastering against the back of his skull. Yes, first sergeant. And it is my understanding that it is a workable state. Is that true, second artificer, Ayat? Rin hesitated. He swore he could hear a pin drop. Yes, first sergeant. Outstanding! Now, as you all know, I take great pride and joy in proper marching cadence. And to hear this warms my heart. He clutched a hand on his chest for emphasis. The deep subcockle regions of it. Second artificer, yet will you be leading us in this cadence today? Yes, first sergeant. With the closest Rin had ever seen Catherine come to a smile, the first sergeant made the crisp about face and saluted Captain Spader. The company is formed and ready, sir. Very well, get them moving, First Sergeant. Aye, aye, sir. Catry pivoted and marched in his place in the column. Company, forward, march. 
We'd crunched on the gravel and packed dirt as Echo Company stepped off. Catry called out basic cadence as he turned their column to the little assembly area. What the Marines had started calling the grinder and onto the road. No yacht! Catry shouted as the last of the Marines snaked off the road. Sound off! Rin cleared his throat. Yip, yip, yuck! He shouted, the corners of his mouth twitching as the Marines echoed back the nonsense words. Here we go, he thought, taking a deep breath. I left my heart in San he called out in English. His T's were still a little soft, and he still dragged out the words a little longer than he should. But his accent was still clear. I left my heart in San the Marines echoed back, and he could hear the surprise in the voices. He smiled and called the next line. I left my heart to heed the call. I left my heart to heed the call. The Marines' voices were stronger, more certain, adapting quickly. I left my heart to shield her there. I left my heart to shield her there. I left my heart to go to war. I left my heart to go to war. Chorus, he shouted before taking another breath. We carry on a long campaign. We steal our hearts and march along. To keep the war away from home, we raise our pikes and never yield. Till we free the yoke from the gull, ha-ha. He closed his eyes for a beat, and he could already tell his throat was going to be sore when this was all done. But he wasn't going to bungle it. Another breath, and he shouted again. I found my boots in Rottian. I found my boots in Rottian. I learned to march in formation. I learned to march in formation. In line and square and in column. In line and square and in column. To bear my heart in Sunria. To bear my heart in Sunria. This time, few marines joined in the long notes of the chorus. We carry on a long campaign. We steal our hearts and march along. To keep the war away from home, we raise our pikes and never yield. Till we freed the yoke from all the Gahla. A few more had joined in before the chorus had finished. I donned my armor in Toyo. I donned my armor in Toyo. I wrapped myself in cloth and steel. I wrapped myself in cloth and steel. Reinforced with mail and spell. Reinforced with mail and spell. To shield my heart in Sunria. To shield my heart in Sunria. Marine voices started to overpower his as he drove into the chorus once more. We carry on a long campaign. We steal our hearts and march along. To keep the war away from home, we raise our pikes and never yield. Till we freed the yoke from the galah. I grab my pike and Mulray. I grab my pike and Mulray. Enchanted bright and sharp of bite. Enchanted bright and sharp of bite. I lift it up and hold it high. I lift it up and hold it high, to guard my heart in Sunria, to guard my heart in Sunria. The Marines had picked up the chorus this time, and they could barely hear his own voice over theirs. We carry on a long campaign, we steal our hearts and march along, to keep the war from our home, we raise our bucks and never yield, till we freed the yoke from the Galha. I earn my stripes in ruined pass. Blood stripes, someone shouted in a brief gap between the rest of the company echoed back. I earned my stripes in ruin pass. Ecole, rule, and salarin. Ecole, rule, and salarin. In blood and fire I battle through. 
In blood and fire I battle through, to win my heart and sonria. To win my heart and sonria. This time the marines beat him to the chorus, and he straightened in pride as the voice was drowned out by the company two hundred strong. We carry on the long campaign, we steal our hearts and march along. To keep the war away from home, we raise our bikes and never yield, till we freed the yoke from all Gahar. I yearn to see my hearth and home. I yearn to see my hearth and home. Family, friends, and someone more. Family, friends, and someone more. I promise one day to return. I promise one day to return. To see my heart in Sunraya. To see my heart in Sunraya. We carry on the long campaign. We steal our hearts and march along. To keep the war away from home, we raise our pikes and never yield, till we freed the yoke from all Gohar. I left my heart in Sunria, I left my heart in Sunria, I left my heart to heed the call, I left my heart to heed the call, I left my heart to shield her there, I left my heart to shield her there, I left my heart to go to war, I left my heart to go to war. He held his last note to signal the end of the cadence. The marines copied the long note, and it trailed off as they made the final turn, approaching the rest of the battalion's formation. The first sergeant timed that well, he thought, but felt one last call was needed. Royal host, never yield! Two-five! Retreat hell! Company, halt! End of part one. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.